Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host James, and today we're reading page 87. Suspicion immediately fell upon someone in the house, for it was apparent that someone must have opened the door, which the squire's wife distinctly remembered having bolted herself. And someone must have known where the squire kept his silver plate, and the drawer in which he kept his coins and promissory notes. Still, Essie, by resolutely denying everything, was convicted of nothing until Master Josiah Horner was caught in a chandler's in Exeter, passing one of the squire's notes. The squire identified it as his, and Horner and Essie went to trial. Horner was convicted at the local Assises, and was, as the slang of the time so cruelly and so casually had it, turned off. But the judge took pity on Essie because of her age or her chestnut hair, and he sentenced her to seven years' transportation. She was to be transported on a ship called the Neptune under the command of one Captain Clark. So Essie went to the Carolinas, and on the way she conceived an alliance with the selfsame captain, and prevailed upon him to return her to England with him as his wife, and to take her to his mother's house in London where no man knew her. The journey back, when the human cargo had been exchanged for cotton and tobacco, was a peaceful time, and a happy one for the captain and his new bride, who were as two lovebirds or courting butterflies, unable to cease from touching each other or giving each other little gifts and endearments. When they reached London, Captain Clark lodged Essie with his mother, who treated her in all ways as her son's new wife. Eight weeks later, the Neptune set sail again, and the pretty young bride with the chestnut hair waved her husband goodbye from Dockside. Then she returned to her mother-in-law's house, where the old woman being absent, Essie helped herself to a length of silk, several gold coins, and a silver pot in which the old woman kept her buttons. And pocketing these things, Essie vanished into the stews of London. Over the following two years, Essie became an accomplished shoplifter. Her wide skirts capable of concealing a multitude of sins, consisting chiefly of stolen bolts of silk and lace, and she lived life to the full. Essie gave thanks for her escapes from her vicissitudes to all the creatures that she had been told of as a child, to the pixies whose influence she was certain extended as far as London, and she would put a wooden bowl of milk on the window ledge each night, although her friends laughed at her. And that's our page. Okay, so on this page, our heroine and her current lover are undone by promissory notes, which I was only familiar with from, I think... The Game of Life? Maybe they had promissory notes in one of the early editions? Maybe some old book I read? I I don't know. It's not a common term anymore, but a promissory note is also known as a note payable, an agreement to pay or repay someone at a later date, similar to an IOU, but there's a more of a fixed time at which it would be repaid. They're undone by a Chandler, uh, not just the least favorite character from one of my least favorite sitcoms, uh, Chandler is also one who makes or sells wax candles or soap. It can also refer to a person who sells specific types of supplies and equipment. So a pool chandler would sell pool supplies, and a ship chandler would sell ship supplies. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, the word first shows up in English approximately the 14th century. It comes from the Anglo-French and Latin. Both of these versions are remarkably similar to chandelier and candle. So I guess that's that's why it's more specifically candles, although it became more of a general term as time went on. And Assize, which is probably not pronounced like that, A-S-S-I-Z-E, is an English court that covered both criminal and civil issues. More commonly, they'd be responsible for criminal offenses uh, to be dealt with by these 
folks in the court would be a rather big deal because they only met quarterly while other smaller issues were dealt with by local level magistrate courts known as justices of the peace. So essentially, Josiah is certainly fucked as he is in the book if he's being seen by the Assises. It's funny, though, I was researching that word and then it showed up on Jeopardy two or three days after. This was quite some time ago, though. Ibis notes that the slang of the time for Josiah being executed was turned off. I presumed it meant something like off and on, like lights, but they wouldn't have had a way to flip a switch and turn off the light. It's 1700-something, of course. So further research provided that people were hanged before trap doors were used to drop them. They would be put upon a ladder, and then the hangman would move the ladder, the person would literally be turned off the ladder. It's interesting also, you can find a reference to a ship called the Neptune, and even a man named Captain Clark in an 1807 book entitled The British Neptune, or A History of the Achievements of the Royal Navy from the Earliest Periods to the Present Time, but I don't believe it's actually a connection back to the novel. I was very excited as I was kind of hopping and skipping through the book, and there's a tiny note to a Captain Clark in a footnote, so I, I imagine it's probably not the same ship. It's just either it was a good name, which it is, or maybe Neil had read another book referencing it at some point. Anyhow, the UK outlawed the slave trade in 1807, then officially abolished slavery in the British Empire in 1833. So Captain Clark here is dropping off human cargo in the colonies before returning to England with his new bride, as well as his various supplies he gets in trade. Their blissful marriage lasts a good two months before he's off to sea again, and Essie robs his mother's home. With Essie, we get a little bit of a reminder that she does have this superstitious belief regarding the Piskies and the various other good creatures from Cornwall. She is about 250 miles from home, and consider that 250 miles in 1700 would be more than a little significant. It's it's not like it's a short distance now, but I mean, it, it's about the distance from here to Portland. Well, maybe another 70 or so miles from where I live to Portland, and I would make that trip in a day. Then, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I think it's also interesting, her friends laugh at her, but she still believes in those creatures. On the page, vicissitude is a change of circumstances or fortune, typically unwelcome or unpleasant comes from the Latin vic or vis, I'm not sure which because I don't speak Latin, turn or change, vicism, by turns, Latin also vicissitudo, but also then French uh, vicism, vicism? I don't like recurring S's at all, but it comes from the French and the Latin. Sometime in the early 17th century, it came into the English language. It has certainly dropped off in use since then, though, per Google slash a couple other references. And I think that's about it for the day. You can get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.